Hi, and welcome to the Let's K-12 Better podcast. This podcast is a project between Mama of All Capes and her kids. Hi! In our podcast, we will cover a variety of subjects involving K-12 education and family life. We will talk about the ways that parents, kids, and educators can improve K-12 education and family life. We encourage you to join our conversation on social media using the hashtag Let's K-12 Better. Let's jump into episode 9 of the Let's K-12 Better podcast. The tears march down my cheeks as the overwhelming enormity of what has taken place in this world finally reached its boiling point within me. I could not hold back any longer. My tears collected in the face mask resting on my neck. And as I sat in my van waiting for the green light, I kept thinking, how did we get here and where are we going? I was too embarrassed to acknowledge the drivers to my left or right, too saddened by police brutality, too worn down from pretending that I was strong enough to power through. I contemplated whether I should pull over and cry or continue my controlled weeping as I drove home. I thought I had worked through the pain of bearing witness to black death, but I was wrong. Since about 2016, I've become quite skilled at compartmentalizing my way through repeat trauma, so much so that I had created for myself a system of rationalizing my way through anguish. Death upon death, and year after year, I polished the mask I wore to work. I suppressed my disappointment, and I shut out my fear. And this time, with Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others, I took my usual glance and prepared myself for the long slog through work calls, the mental challenges that prevented me from completing arbitrary tasks, and the state of stupefaction that causes my children to question whether everything is okay. I looked briefly at the pain that unfolded on social media and in conversations with friends and family, and I tucked it away for safekeeping, never forgotten, but never fully acknowledged. I believe I had figured out how to build a trap door to make my way out of the maze of pain that was required for surviving in a so-called post-racial decade of murders of black people at the hands of the police. I realized I was, in fact, stuck in the maze. One trap door leading to another and another and yet another leading to a more delusional place deep within myself, a place I thought I had under control. It seems that when a leaky faucet drips slowly into a bucket, if we do not address the cause, that bucket eventually spills over onto the floor. For me, the leaky faucet was my inability to address my pain. For America, the leaky faucet is our long overlooked history of racial injustice. This is not a soliloquy. This is a confession. I've spent the last three weeks processing the murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery And I needed to know how taxpayer systems either failed or at least contributed to the tragic ending of these men. I obsessed over how we can educate and activate and legislate better, 
How do we parent better? How do we teach black kids, non-black kids of color and white kids to address the breakdowns in our society that impact all of us, but impact some groups disproportionately? How do we encourage parents to courageously raise people with anti-racist conviction? I was motivated by this urge to save black men that looked like brothers, fathers, cousins, lovers, and friends. This was an easy way to relinquish the grip of anger for a more logical path forward. However, I will confess, I did not research Breonna Taylor. Somehow, just like the mystery that was Sandra Bland's death and the countless other black women who have died in the silent shadows of the cries of say his name, I could not read the evidence. I could not get through their stories. I could not watch their videos. I had to look away because when I looked at them, I saw my face. I saw my mother and my sisters and my daughters. And it was too painful. And I did not want to feel. As we talk about Black Lives Mattering, what steps are required and what commitments are necessary for our nation to fully believe this to be true? And once we believe this to be true, how do we make sweeping changes to ensure that black lives are valued like white lives, black voices are heard like white voices, black histories are shared like white histories and are eventually told as one full, complete and truthful American tale. Today is Juneteenth. Juneteenth, also called Jubilee Day or Freedom Day commemorates the emancipation of the last remaining enslaved black people in the state of Texas on June 19, 1865. Juneteenth is significant because after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed on New Year's Day of 1863, it took two and a half years for all enslaved blacks in the Confederacy to be liberated. That means a large population of enslaved people continued to labor for two and a half years after they were deemed free. If we celebrate July 4th, we must celebrate Juneteenth. We must constantly think about the relationship between law and order and freedom and liberty. If black lives matter, then black liberation is just as important as white independence. How do we protect the rights of every individual? How can those of us experiencing freedom make sure that everyone in the United States feels that their rights are securely and confidently upheld by the Constitution? What I realized while sitting in my van was that injustice is an inescapable force. I cannot hide from it. We cannot hide from it. We have to say the names of the people that have become victims of injustice because we are all responsible for ensuring that everyone has access to the ideals espoused in our founding documents. We have a responsibility to make sure that the law works for all and not just some, that our justice system is fair and swift, that citizens do not weaponize our law enforcement or carry out the law on their own against one another. I also realized that there are too many names. Names we will never know, names we will never say, 
names that mothers and fathers put together unknowingly for viral fame and mourning. How do we honor the names and the nameless? We must say their names. Each of us, black, brown, white, Asian, indigenous people must say their names. We must visualize their faces. We must connect to them. We have to feel. We must acknowledge our pain. We must fight the injustice. And we must channel our energy toward making this place better or we are doomed to saying names that we know. I also realized that we have a responsibility to look toward the horizon and to not lose sight of how far we've come because all is not lost. For example, Brianna's law banning no-knock search warrants in Louisville, Kentucky shows us that communities are capable of taking action against police violence. And for several weeks now, books about anti-racism have dominated the New York Times and Amazon bestsellers lists, with many of the most popular titles being sold out. People are self-educating themselves and using Black voices to do so. Juneteenth represents a moment in time when freedom was held from a large group of people. However, that hardship became the fuel for celebrating something so much more beautiful. In a time of great suffering and a time when we're starting to engage in that hard anti-racist work, we must remember to provide the space to celebrate the small victories and to not lose hope. All right, so we are going to jump into our questions. Um, we have a couple questions today. Let's start off with the first one. Um, why is it important uh, to say the names of the people who are victims of police brutality? Um, it's important to realize that even though they're not here right now, that they existed, they're still they were still part of this humanity and that they weren't just no one. That's awesome. So acknowledging that they that were they there. were people in physical form on this planet. That's yes. a, that's great. What also else? to add to Sophie, there were people who got their rights violated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what would saying their names help to do? Realize the people that got their rights violated. So you're so saying their names. So tribute is a tribute, right? Saying their names is a tribute. All right. So um, the people who are victims of police brutality, right? Why should we read the their stories in the news and like the reports of their death? You know, maybe not all of the gory details because obviously you guys are kids, but. We still want to read up on what happened. Yeah, so why would we want to do that? We want to do that because, like, you know people who go down to protest, right? So those people probably want to know what they're fighting for. Obviously, Black Lives Matter, but what specifically? So knowing and being informed about what's going on. And what happened. What happened will help you to fight for the right your rights and other people's rights more yes clearly okay okay cool want to make sure i got it right what do you think 
oh, what about if, so that you think about what you would do in that situation. Mm. So kind of like self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, too. Hopefully you're not in any of those situations. Yeah. But if you were, yeah, you're right. Like, kind of like a way to learn how. What would I do? What would I do? Hmm. Thank you for that. Do you have anything you want to share? No, but um, you guys gave really good examples. All right. So we're going to move into our next question. Um, Should kids learn how these people died? You know, why or why not? Should kids should kids learn about the ways in which these victims of police brutality died? Um, you could really go either way because if you have like a say it again, you could you could go either way because if you have like a young like a very young child and this is happening, like you don't want to put more upon them because we're already even in quarantine. School year just ended and they're like a little child. So, like, they're probably very confused on what's happening, so you don't want to drop that on them. But, like, if you have, like, an older child, like, older years of elementary, like, third grade and up, you should t- sit down and talk with them about this because they could experience it without you even knowing, even though they're just kids. Mm. And I'm not saying that it couldn't happen to the littler kids. It's just a lesser chance because you're more by their side. Mm. That's a really great point. Thank you for that. I think that speaking to the mic. I think that um they should know about it because I kind of agree with Naima like the younger kids like if you have like a preschooler or a kindergartner that's like four or five, I don't think you should tell them, but just like be aware that that could happen to them. Mm-hmm. But. I think that if your kid's older, you should talk to them about it. What What can you say? I think that if you have, even if you have like a fifth grader or sixth grader, you should talk to them about it gently mm-hmm. because like they still might not understand the full process and you don't want to dump all that stuff on it. Like maybe one time... You can say about it, and like the other time you could say about it. If you say it in one whole time, um, your kid or children might feel like a little like um sad, angry, maybe like weird. So because this is an overwhelming topic, it's it's important to like talk to them spacing spacing it out. Okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. Thank you. That was awesome. What about you? What do you think? Should kids learn how these people died? Why or why not? Or is it appropriate for kids to... So we tell parents, like, you know, we say parents should talk about race, right? Like, parents should also talk about um, police brutality and issues of injustice, right? With their kids, you know, to have those kinds of conversations. Uh, We didn't talk... We haven't yet encouraged parents to talk about how people have died at the hands of the police, right? There's stuff in the news, you know, there's stuff on social media, you know, so there's, right. So we want to know, like, is it, is it appropriate or okay for parents to have, to let kids know how these people died? Some parents have already like, you know, kids have seen the video or whatever, but like, you know, if you haven't 
talked about it yet. You know, is it okay? I'm going to agree with Sophia, but for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they should, but everyone should. But like... Everyone should do what? Learn about it because... Learn about what? Everyone should learn about the way that the people died because it's just the same. At, it's just informative. Like, you just need to learn about it. Okay, so being... It's part of... It's part of the whole narrative of being informed. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so our next question is kind of off of Fannie Lou Hamer's quote, right? That we love and we say all the time. But I'm going to ask you guys, can we be free if everyone is not free? No, but if you think of it in terms of justice, Mm -hmm. like it can't be a just society if there's so much injustice. Mm -hmm. Yet people who have money and power over this society think they have justice themselves. And that's really something we need to work on as a, as like, not just as a country, but as a world. Mm, that um, is very beautiful. Yeah, can I, I add on that? to her? Because okay. I think that, I want to add on to her, but like the people who have resources and things that make up the government, they think that they have justice and everyone else has justice. But really, a lot of people don't have justice. Mm. What about you? What do you want to say? I agree with Sophia. You said something about like lawyers and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, It is partially true because if you go to court and you did something really bad and you don't want to go to jail and you want to get yourself like ratted out, you can... If you have money or resources, you can pay a lot of lawyers so that you can get out. So um, yeah. I just wanted to say something about what Sophia said. She said that people who have all the resources think themselves and everyone is justified. When sometimes in some cases they just think that they're justified and the people who are just like them are justified. So sometimes justice isn't provided equally. equally. Ah, okay. Stereo. And also, that's a great point. Yeah. So, all right. So then I'm going to ask a question, a follow-up question on that. If justice isn't applied equally because, let's say, you don't have access to resources or you don't have access to a great lawyer or you don't understand how the rules are, are, right? Because you said something about government. If is freedom contingent upon someone else being free so is me is then my freedom based on someone else not having freedom no i think um like we could have like our society today i feel like is trying to make it that way where it's like everyone else is like around me isn't free because i'm free uh, but we can make it a way so that everyone's free and, and anyone can do pretty much anything, um, but not the impossible because it's impossible. No, impossible also says I'm possible. So, uh-huh. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> that's not my quote. That's somebody else's. I forget who it is. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. Um, and, like, they're trying to make it seem like it's their society and, like, the top people are, like, Oh, yeah, this is ours. Everyone else isn't free. We're the freest people. Mm, so freedom. And because of the way um, America is built and the world is built, it, like, 
is slipping through the cracks and letting this happen. So what you're saying is that freedom is something that everyone can have access to. Yeah, but like people are trying to make it so that and mindlessly contributing to um, having an unjust, unequal society. Hmm. Okay, so you're saying that people do it purposefully and non-purposefully like some people are like um like protesting to try to make a more just society but other people are like mindlessly like oh i'm not gonna go to protest i'm not gonna help even though if they're helping if they're not in a free position and they're not helping they're never gonna get to that free position that they want to be in Mm, so you have to work toward freedom is that what i'm getting to Uh, Kind of like you should our society should already be free, but Mm -hmm. we don't make it that way. It's kind of what I'm trying to say. That's you have some very interesting points here. I like it. Is me being free going to affect you being free? Right. If you're free. Does that mean does that mean I can't be free or if I'm free? Should you not? Am I only free because you're not free? Um, Am I only free if you're not free? Um, some people it is that way, but others it might not be because like, um, for example, like if they're a different race or if they ha- have more power than the other person, it actually might affect they have more freedom. Like the president might have more freedom than me or you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. Do you have anything that you want to add? Okay, cool. Okay, wow. Y'all are super deep. Uh, deeper than I thought that you guys were. Thank you. You can find out a lot from kids. You really can. So while we're talking about freedom, right, um, let's talk about Juneteenth. Should Juneteenth be a national holiday? Um, I think that it should be a holiday because first, if we celebrate... Fourth of July, I think we should celebrate um, Juneteenth because, like, um, Fourth of July was white people independence, and we should, if we celebrate white people independence, we should also celebrate black people independence. I stole that quote from you for the episode. Um, Why should we celebrate Juneteenth? We should celebrate um, because... We should be able to learn about that two-year period from New Year's Day of 1863 to June 19th of 1865, right? Um, so, yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. What is the purpose of holidays? What's the purpose of holidays? The purpose of holidays is to celebrate things. Juneteenth celebrates um, the full time that slaves were actually free. Okay. So it's important for us to acknowledge, I guess, that the Emancipation Proclamation happened, but whoops, not everybody. And yeah. Juneteenth was that rectifying, like, everybody. now everybody. Does that, yes. Did I say yes, that right? Yes, you did. All right, cool, cool. I also want to add to Sophia that holidays are also to bring people together. 
Oh, so bringing people together. Um, in this time, what will we be bringing people together around on Juneteenth? Um, black people justice. Justice for black, black people. Rights. rights for black people. What else? All right. What an awesome and interesting and cerebral discussion that we had. This is great. Thank you guys so very much for sharing your wisdom. We encourage families to use these same questions to have a discussion. If you have any cool epiphanies that you'd like to share, please leave them in the comments or share them with us on social media. Each episode, we will share quotes that we find inspirational, and sometimes we will share what we think they mean. Wilma Rudolph overcame obstacles to become the first American woman to win, the, to win three gold medals in track and field at a single Olympics. Her quote, never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. Ava DuVernay is an American filmmaker and director. She won the Directing Award in the U.S. Dramatic Competition at the 2012 Sundance Film Festival, becoming the first black woman to win the award. Her quote, Ignore the glass ceiling and do your work. Stokely Carmichael was a prominent Trinidadian organizer in the civil rights movement in the United States and global Pan-African movement. Carmichael was one of the original SNCC freedom fighters of 1961 under Diane Nash's leadership. His quote, The secret of life is to have no fear. It's the only way to function. June Jordan was an activist, poet, and essayist whose work explored issues of gender, race, immigration, and representation. Her quote, To tell the truth is to become beautiful, to begin to love yourself, value yourself. And that's political in the most profound way. What do these quotes mean to you? What's your favorite from the ones that we shared? Let us know on social media using the hashtag Let's K12 Better. Thank you for listening to the Let's K12 Better podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on social media at Mom of All Capes Everywhere and follow the Let's K12 Better podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Share your thoughts about this episode using the hashtag Let's K12 Better. That's hashtag L-E-T-S-K-1-2-B-E-T-T-E-R. You can now find us on your favorite podcasting app. See you next time.